What's going on people? Welcome to a new edition of Echo Chamber and let's get into the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 6th to the 8th of September. Okay, so in at number 10, we've got Good Boys. At number 9, we've got the secret cinema screenings of Casino Royale. At number 8, and still in the top 10, Fast and the Furious, Hobbs and Shaw. And still doing it, at number 7, Toy Story 4. At number 6, we've got... Dora and the Lost City of Gold. At number five is Politica. At number four, The Lion King. At number three, Angel Has Fallen. At number two, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And as suspected, at number one, it's It Chapter Two. Okay, so we have two films this week. We've got Killers Anonymous and we've got Teen Spirit. Um, so, before we get to these, um, yeah, let's get a little um, information out the way. Okay, people, um, this one's for all the horror fans. The Mastonic Institute of Horror Studies, London, announces its full lineup of lectures and events. Okay, so the Miskatonic Institute of Horror Studies, the world's longest running educational organization devoted to the study of horror history, theory, and production, is pleased to announce its full 2019 lineup of classes led by some of the genres world's most renowned critical literary and filmmaking luminaries the miskatonic london unleashes a heady fall semester that includes bad trips and psychedelia in the acid horror of the late 60s and early 70s the corridor as a locus of angst and dread in horror film and fiction adaptations and mutations of the thing and a career talk by filmmaker gary sherman moderated by filmmaker sean hogan in collaboration with wales arbitoire film festival all classes at the regular branches are standalone events. Think a TED talk, but with booze and horror. Though people can opt to buy a season pass for a discounted price. All information will be in the details of this episode. Okay, so, you know... um. This will be taking place at the Horse Hospital, uh, which is um, in Bloomsbury. So you've got advanced tickets of £12, on the door they're £15. Um, and the In Conversation 
events are 17 pounds in advance 20 pounds on the door you can get a season pass which is four classes for 45 pounds so um yes go to um go to the episode and you can find out all of the uh you know all the ep- when all of this takes place but i'll give you the dates so thursday the 12th of september 7 till 10 the bad trip uh this is psychedelic horror cinema 1967 to 1972 and the instructor is james riley then thursday the 24th of october 7 till 10 the corridor gothic with um instructor roger lockhurst and then monday the 18th 7 till 10 live from the misotonic gary sherman in conversation moderated by sean hogan uh so um yeah i think that's um oh and there's thursday the 12th of december 7 till 10 things from other worlds adapting transforming and translating the thing instructor laura may so uh yeah people they're all your dates now go to the episode for all the information and the links okay so this week's film is killers anonymous it's from director martin owen uh it was written by owen seth johnson and elizabeth morris and it's starring tommy flanagan rion nicole brown mayan burring and michael soka tim mcinnery Gary Oldman, Jessica Alba, Elliot James Lambridge, Suki Waterhouse, Sam Hazeldean, uh, and Elizabeth Morris. Uh, the gist of the film is this. A support group of killers is held regularly. The participants sit in a circle of trust and share their transgressions. On this particular night, the city has been rocked by the failed assassination of a senator and the brutal and professional demise of his attempted assassin. A chain of events is already in motion as the group congregates for their late night session. The very fabric of the of the group begins to unravel as one layer of betrayal leads to another welcome to killers anonymous the meeting is now in session okay so um i think so like the film opens up with um i guess what we would say is some framing devices you know, so we we have a um, a support group meeting. So we just get the kind of hint of this meeting. Then, and 
you know, it says it's in Los Angeles. Then we jump to London. We're in a pub. And we have Jade, Jessica Alba, talking to uh, the man, Gary Oldman, about why she flubbed the job. Then it goes to a strip club. And, like, you know, it's like some of this, like these opening scenes... You're just wondering, like, why, why is this so long? Because we have this kind of pointless conversation that doesn't really give you anything. Like, it doesn't, you know what I mean? You're just a bit like, this is, like, this gives me nothing. This is taking me nowhere. And then with the strip club bit, it's a bit like, okay, so why is this now? Why have we gone from the pub to this? You know what I mean? There's, like, it's the situation isn't explained enough. Like, the character isn't explained enough for us to believe that they're going to do this thing. So we have this. And then all the time, we have these weird kind of camera angles and it is one kind of thing that I, I found noticeable throughout the film. That we have these weird kind of camera angles and, and choices. Like there's this one bit where we're, um, you know, in the, um, the meeting circle, as it were. And the camera's spinning around. And it's just like... There's no need for the camera to be spinning around like this. Like, what what are you trying to invoke by doing this? It didn't really make any sense. And I think that is probably one of the, the noticeable trends of this film. You think to yourself, this isn't really making any sense. Because... We go from all of these events, and then we have a, um, you know, another meeting somewhere in London, and um, you've got all these people, they, they, they've come together, and so they all know each other, so it, it's a, you know, we're, we're kind of, we have the impression, and, and you know, it's a fair assumption, I believe it's reference, that they meet regularly. Okay, so these people meet regularly, they know each other, but the way everyone is acting is very odd, because you kind of get, like, the way people are acting is as if, like, they've never met before, but then they refer, they keep on referencing that they know each other, so it's a bit, it's, it makes no sense. Because if there was a certain thing that triggered certain things, you'd be like, okay, fine. But there's not for the most part. So it's a bit like, why is everyone doing this? Then we have Alice, who's at the meeting. No one knows her. And you're just a bit like, okay. We've got a group of assassins 
and um you know no one is really like oh this new person oh okay yeah she she doesn't have to talk yet she can go in a bit it'd be like no they would be you need to fucking talk now or we're killing you but they're assassins assassins would be conscious of someone tailing them of oh has my cover been blown but yeah we don't get any of that which is a bit ludicrous really you know there's also another incident with um joanna walking into a room um and you just think for someone who is an assassin didn't really do your due diligence you know what I mean so yeah it, it, there's a lot of questionable things going on that just just make the film not really gel like I you get the sense from the from the way it's been filmed that it's kind of invoking like um Guy Ritchie's snatch and there's a 2003 film called Confidence about, um, it's Edward Burns, uh, it's like con artists, you know, one of those type of films with a lot of twists and turns in it and stuff like that. And this film, so it's, it, it, you know, they're trying to give us all these twists and turns, but the twists and turns, you don't care enough about any of the characters for anything to really phase you or impact you you know there's just no empathy here there's so we're going around the circle and we're having people talk about you know why they're there like you know like an aa meeting but the odd thing about it is you know i i guess like whenever you've seen like aa meetings or things like that it's a bit like, um, all right, so what's been happening to you this week? What was a, tell us about a thing that was a trigger that almost made you do the, you know, the thing you're trying to not to do. But with this, and, and remember, these people attend these meetings regularly, right? This isn't the first rodeo, but you have them at the meeting Oh, tell us about the first time you killed someone. And it's a bit like, why? Because that would have been something they would have talked about ages ago. That, you know, that's not a, a, a story to talk about in this meeting. Doesn't make any sense. I mean, there's only one person that talked about something that kind of triggered them recently and you're like okay yeah see that makes sense but then oh well the first time I killed you're like no you wouldn't be you would have already talked about this that's not something you'd be talking about here now so why you know I mean it just it throws everything it like just throws the scene so you're just scratching your head like what the fuck and yeah like then you get this big twist at the end and it's a bit like um okay 
Ooh, this is the big reveal. Yeah, and it's just like, but I don't care. Like, and yeah, there's there's all this stuff that happens at the end. And you're just a bit like, surely these people should have known. You know, because everyone's going, oh, this is all fishy. This is all fishy. But everyone sticks around. It's kind of like, you, you kind of get the sense that they wanted to kind of create this escape room vibe. But in theory, what's holding everyone there? Like the people could have just left, but no one's leaving. So, yeah, it, it's just a weird film that doesn't really mesh. Well, for me, it didn't really mesh, you know? Um, ah, I don't know. So, I guess, I guess, if you, you know, like, this definitely has an audience, okay? It it definitely has an audience, and there's um there's some acting that is a lot better than others, you know. So it is not a complete write off. It's not overly long. It's ninety five minutes, so you know an hour and a half. It could be worse, right? Um, yeah. I I look. I think. I think. If you were a fan of um, Tony Jordan's Hustle, the, um, man, I think that ran for like eight seasons, you know what I mean, 2004 to 2012. If you liked stuff like that, then this film is for you, you know what I mean, I think that you would like this, but if you want I don't know <sighs> Like Yeah it, 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 It's not Um I guess You know it, it, it's, it's not a show Like uh I don't know Sneaky Pete You know what I mean It's not like Lie to me It, 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 it It's not as Sharp or smart as that But yeah if you like something like Hustle Yeah definitely check this out You know And um It's available now So you can get it on digital download DVD or Blu-ray Um It was showing in The cinema But I'm not sure if it's still There Uh but yeah you know you, you just check it out if you do but yeah you can get it from all usual places iTunes Amazon Google Play BTTV you know what I mean just all the usual uh so yeah pick it up there um and yeah this was um Killers Anonymous from director Martin Owen starring Gary Oldman Jessica Alba Suki Waterhouse Tommy Flanagan, Tim McInery, Ryan Nicole Brown, Michael Soker, Miana Burring, Elliot James Lambridge. Um, yeah, so there you go, people. Okay, so now 
let's get into um, our second review, which is Teen Spirit. That's um, going to be available, uh, you know, as a digital download from Monday. So I'm just out of a screening of um, a new film, Teen Spirit. Now, this is from Max Minghella, um, who wrote and directed it. Um, it's also his directorial debut. It's starring Ellie Fanning, Agnieszka Grawaska, Archie Madiki, um, Vivian Opera, Millie Brady, <clears throat> and Zalako Burek. Yeah, I'm obviously I have butchered those names. Apologies. Uh, so the basic gist of the film is this. Violet is a shy teenager who dreams of escaping her small town and pursuing her passion to sing. With the help of an unlikely mentor, she enters a local singing competition that will test her integrity, talent and ambition. Driven by a pop fueled soundtrack, Teen Spirit is a visceral and stylish spin on the Cinderella story. It's always funny when, um, you know, you have the blurbs to these movies. Because I, a lot of the times they just don't seem to be that correct. You know, or sometimes the blurb gives too much away or it just kind of miss this kind of guides people on what the story is now this one's a bit odd because when we're first introduced to violet we're kind of shown her as a very studious person you know all she seems to be doing is working and studying you know she's at school she's um doing exams and stuff and yeah she's just focused on that focused on work and she's um you know doing a lot of work on her farm you know her mama is i think they're living on a farm that's kind of what you're shown and so she's doing that work and she doesn't have much much joy you know a lot of the things that really make you happy the, the, the two things that seem to do that are a horse and singing um so she sings in a choir but she gets the most joy from singing in a pub where she can you know sing her own songs and um, that kind of thing. So that's what we're given from her. You know, we're not really seeing her hanging around with a lot of friends or anything like that. You know, she seems a bit ostracized. And one day she's in the pub. She's singing and a guy comes up to her. And it's a bit weird. 
obviously, you know, for the for these type of stories, we we it's it's shot in a way that you're thinking he's either a killer, a pedo, you know, because obviously he's not. But it you know they're trying to throw you off and, and give you this perception. So we had this, and she refuses the lift. But, of course, she then accepts the lift through other events that happen. And so she's talking with this guy and they kind of, you know, an acquaintance is struck. She's, um, and this is all, it's, she's living on the Isle of Wight. And um, through kind of circumstances... She she sees that the, a, a singing competition like Britain's Gone Talent or um, Pop Idol, um, you know, whatever those singing competition-y things are, it's come to town. And you get the impression that she's not bothered or she just feel, feels it's unattainable. But then, like, the mean girls at school... A kind of um, oh, we're entering. Are you going to enter, Violet? And that seems to goad her into going. Fuck it! And so she goes. She sings. She dances. But this is the audition before the audition, and she needs help. She needs a guardian. Her mum doesn't want her singing, so she asks this weird old guy to come help her. Um, and by doing so, it then transpires that he's an old Croatian opera singer, and an unlikely friendship is kind of born out of this. I I think obviously, <laughs> you know, you know where this story is going, right? So we know, okay, so she's entered a singing competition. All right, she is going to go far in the singing competition. So we have this. And there are a few twists and turns. But obviously, yes, she gets to the final. um, Which is in, you know, in the Excel Centre in London. So it's all this like, ooh, you know, she's a girl off the island and she's going to, uh, you know, the big city to see if she can win this competition. And so now her mum's kind of turned, changed her opinion on the whole thing. And so we're kind of seeing this aspect of the story. Um. And while out, she's made friends with a band. So there's a she goes to the odd party. It's a weird. So this is the weird kind of thing. There's kind of weird things happen in the film, which kind of make it a bit disjointed because we're sh- we're seeing her as isolated, but then she kind of crops up every now and again at a party, where she sits on her own, doesn't really interact, sits on her own. And at this party, this guy usually tries to find her and talk to her. And he's got a band. She, he asks her to go see it. She can't. Um, 
but then it turns out that one day they're he's playing a gig at one of her workplaces, a bowling alley type bar-y place. Um, she sees him play. They talk afterwards. She gets friendly with the band. And when she goes to um, the final, she needs a backing band. So obviously, now they're best friends. The band comes with her. And the story is going through the typical beats right um yeah because that's what these stories do right and when she gets to the big city we we see the typical things that we usually see in these situations you know things start to fall apart arguments all of this you know bright lights the lure boom 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 all of this happens and you think, ugh, okay, okay, it, it's just one of them films, it's just, where's the, where's the charm, where's the love, but I think the charm of this film comes with the music, now it's pop music, so if you're a fan of Robin, um, Ellie Golding, Tegan and Sarah, you know, that kind of stuff, if you're a fan of that, you'll definitely like it, but, um, yeah, it's in the performances of the songs where the life really breathes in this film, you know, it's where the enjoyment really comes, um, and so, you know, we, we've got to the end, uh, well, towards the end, and so we're seeing the different, you know, the singing to get to the heat, so, and the different stages, and it's fine, it is different, and it's the, the lighting effects that are used, the kind of neon, kind of bright but dark, you know, the, the way these kind of shows are lit, and so that really works, that really helps sell what we're seeing, you know, so that's good, and then we're getting close to the end, and she has to walk out for her last song, and this is really where it comes alive, so if you watch boxing, if you watch UFC, um, professional wrestling, you know, you when when we, when we see the the fighter come out from the dressing room, and you know, backstage at some of these big venues, and it's a bit of a walk, and so we're following her on this walk to the stage. So the camera's set like just in front of her, and we're watching her walk towards us. And as she's walking in the background, you're just hearing a boom. And it is it's 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 like as she's getting closer to the stage, the sound, the roar of the crowd, it you know, that's the reverberation that you're hearing, and that really builds the tension of the scene. And and really sets things up for that last song. 
so she's on stage and you know it, it's one of those songs you know it's got the the slow slow build up it's a nice song it's a slow build up and she's singing and everyone's there and then bum 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 bum, bum. the drums hit the bass drops boom the lighting comes she's got the mic she's dancing and ah the film is lit the film is lit up the atmosphere is there and you are believing in the moment you know you're really believing in the moment that she's trying to win this competition and it's such a well shot piece it really it really is you know uh, it's just the movement the lighting the choreography the music the sound it just all works so well together you know the little cutaways to the bassist the get the uh, the drummer the key you know it all works all works to give this phenomenal performance and just sell the moment you know it really sells the moment so we see this and um yeah you know when the song finishes and you just hear the roar of the crowd and everyone rushes to her and the camera stays on her face. It moves around, but it stays on her face. And so, you know, again, you're still in a moment. You're still being sold those raw emotions. And that, that sells you this film. You know? Because... Yeah, to this point, it's kind of cheesy, it's kind of predictable. You know what it is, which is fine because it's not terrible. The acting is the acting is good, you know. It's like some of it is better than others. Ellie, Ellie does a, a good job of being a kind of um, reclusive teenager who's slowly coming out of her shell. You know, so that's good. Vlad's not too bad, but you know, there's not too many dimensions to the characters that we see. This is the thing. There's not a lot of depth, but it, it's the story and it's the music, you know, and it's really the music mostly that is bringing you along on this ride. But yeah, it's that end sequence that really lifts this film up. Really lifts the film up. And I like the way that, you know, when they end the the way they ended the film, it just works. And um, yeah, we see some stuff. So don't leave the cinema straight away. There's some, there's some scenes in the credits. That continue and give you a bit more information. And doing it like that. That works as well. You know. So. um, Yeah. I, I think. 
it you know it's not um like it's not blaze you know even hawk did an, a tremendous job with blaze it's not blaze but what this is is a a a, a kind of a music film that can speak to the pop generation you know i think it's those that love the pop music the these songs as i said look robin ellie golden tegan and sarah if you love that music this will kind of capsulate you if you like reality tv if you watch those programs those um pop idol i think i don't know the voice you know whatever those shows are if you watch those shows this is your film you know um and i think max does a decent job directing i think the choreographer and cinematographer really excel you know they really excel like max does okay but look as i said it's kind of predictable like you essentially you know what this film is but it's the other elements that breathe life into it and ellie fanning does a great performance so if you're a fan of pop music if you're a fan of singing reality tv shows then you know this is for you this is your a star is born so um check it out when it hits cinema this friday okay great okay people so we're drawing to the end of another episode but firstly before we do anything so the general public ticket lines have now opened for the BFI London Film Festival. So make sure that you go, you either go to the BFI, you ring them up, but book your tickets now because, yo, all those big films, they sell out mad quick. So you don't want to miss out. It's a blast every year. It's a, you, you'll, you'll enjoy yourself immensely So make sure that you get tickets And, and just good seats Don't want to be right at the back So you can't see everything But yeah, there's plenty of films showing So take your pick, have some fun Alright, so let's get to it So, um, Alan Martin um, He co-created um, Tank Girl with Jamie Hewlett you know who you know from the gorillas and all of that so they did that in 1988 um, and in um, 1995 there was a film version it starred Laurie Petty and Ice-T um, from what I remember it wasn't great but but we may see a new incarceration so um martin revealed recently that margaret robbie's production company has um just optioned the rights to to make a film version uh from mgm 
So, um, you know, there's no word on, you know, if Robbie is going to star as Tank Girl or if she, you know what I mean? Like, what her capacity in this is, it's just her production company. Now, I'm, I'm not quite sure because I don't read Suicide Squad or, like, Harley Quinn or anything like that. But I kind of feel Harley Quinn is similar to Tank Girl. So it would kind of make sense for, for Robbie not to um, star in it. Because it would just probably have people, you know what I mean, comparing the films and all of this. So it would make more sense for her to probably produce or direct. But, you know what? Margaret Robbie can do whatever she wants, you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, there's no word really on when this might drop or anything like that. Uh, from all accounts, Martin and Hewlett aren't involved at this stage. But, um, yeah, we might see a tank girl come out in the next uh, few years. Um, so, in other news... So... A few years back, Valiant Entertainment started their own film division. You know, they'd seen all that Marvel were doing, all that DC were doing, and you know, they're like, yo, we want to get into that shit. You know what I mean? We want our own film verse. Because, yeah, but like, um, I forget, I think it's an Indian company bought Valiant, and so they, they, you know, all the comic series restarted a few years ago, and so yeah, they want to try and, you know, really milk these properties, and try and make some, make some bucks, you know, um, put them out there, so um, yeah, Valiant Entertainment signed a deal with Sony, you know, a little partnership deal to uh, make films. And the two films at the time that seemed to be getting traction was Bloodshot, which, um, you know, is starring Vin Diesel. And then there was going to be a Harbinger film. But word has come that Harbinger has moved from Sony to Paramount Pictures. Um... Now the thing is, everyone involved is going along to Paramount, so it's not like they're restarting with new writers and all of this. Um, yeah, so the whole team, everyone involved is moving, but I think they are going to just rewrite or tweak it, so it's not on a fast track or anything like that. But what it does mean that, you know, there's not going to be a, 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 a crossover with Bloodshot. Because that's still at Sony. Um, now, what it's saying in this thing is that Bloodshot, you know, Valiant aren't that fast. Because they're saying Bloodshot is an integral to a, a, a Valiant comic universe. So it seems that 
All future Valiant films are going to be at Paramount as well. So that would be stuff like um, Archer and Armstrong, Faith, um, Shadow Man, Exo Man of War. You know what I mean? Just all those characters. But I, re- I remember reading the early relaunch titles and Bloodshot did cross over with Harbinger. So, mm, I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a strange one. There's no real reason mentioned for why this happened either. So, yeah. I don't know. Um, so, other news. Right? So, um... Ah, this is so this is crazy man so back um gosh when was it i think it was like early 2000 no it was 97 in 97 um john woo made face off at paramount pictures A little correlation there but yeah he made face off with um john travolta and nicholas cage um so, you know, if people forget that Travolta was an FBI agent, Sean Archer, and um, he was after this, uh, you know, crazy sociopath called Caster Troy, who had killed his son. So, um, I think, like, um, an accident had happened. Troy was in a coma. So... For some reason, like, yeah, Travolta's character had a face transplant and went undercover in jail to try and find out the um, the whereabouts of some bomb that was going to be um, launched this big attack. Now, so they did this operation. He's in prison, uh, but you know. <laughs> Obviously, Caster Troy wakes up from his coma and he's like, What? They've stolen my face? Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take uh, the FBI agent's face. And so he took the FBI agent's face, killed everyone, so this oper- so they couldn't redo the operation. And I'm um yeah, just all, all, all manner of crazy shit went on. I do remember that um, he he did like uh, he did fuck the FBI agent's wife, which was just a bit like the creepiest, craziest shit. Uh, but at the end of the film, see the crazy thing about this film was at the very end. Obviously, Travolta gets his face back, but it was a bit like everyone that could do the operation is dead. So how the fuck are you getting your face back? Yeah, that never made any sense. It, like the film should have ended with Travolta saving the day, but having to wear this villain's face. That's how it should have ended. But anyway, um. So, <laughs> little tangent, but word is that uh, yeah, Paramount are um, remaking this film. Um, it's uh, Oren Uzel 
is um, he's come on board to write the new script. Uh, Neil Moritz will be producing the new film. Um, and David Permut is going to executive produce it. Uh, no one's attached to um, in, in, in either of the starring roles or anything like that. But yeah, I wonder who they're gonna get to, uh, you know, to to be in this. And do we really, do we really need a face-off remake? I don't know. But yeah, I just want it to end with the, you know, the FBI agent having to wear the bad guy's face. You know what I mean? His wife won't get with him. He has to get a divorce. You know what I mean? That's how it should end. I, I might be crazy, but that's what I want to see. All right, so finally, um, Ryan Johnson, he's got a new film coming out called Knives Out. Now, this is a um, kind of a play on the old whodunit films, like the Agatha Christie, Miss Marple, Ercuporo films. It's starring Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, and a, a, a whole heap of talented actors and actresses. And supposedly, word from the Toronto Film Festival, it is killing it. Um, so this film is going to be um, having its European premiere at the London Film Festival. So, uh, yeah. Make sure you, you you go and try and grab tickets for that. But, um, so word is, because Daniel Craig is playing the um, detective who's trying to solve this case, Benoit Blanc. And Ryan Johnson is crazy happy with everything and he had this to say. I'll tell you, the truth is I had such a great time working with Daniel Craig and I had so much fun doing this on every level from writing it to making it. I've never really been interested in doing sequels but this, the idea of doing more of these with Daniel as his character um, is not sequels, it's just what Agatha Christie did. It's coming up with a whole new mystery, a whole new location, all new cast, whole new mechanics of the appeal of a mystery and everything. It'd be a blast. I would be so thrilled and I don't want to jinx it by starting into it because I want to see how this does. But yeah, yeah, I've been crossing my fingers. Um, I get to do more. So yeah people, um, that is the word um, And yeah, that's it for another episode So um, yeah, we, we're out people So uh, catch you next week for another episode of Echo Chamber Peace